Hello everyone. My name is Tamanjeet and I'm a pre-service teacher. Welcome to my podcast Art Behind Learning with Tamanjeet. Every week in this podcast, I talk about the importance of arts in early childhood and primary years of life. With me joins a guest expert to share their knowledge and expertise in different disciplines of art. Together we aim to provide an insight into some real education system and how art helps in achieving the overall holistic development of a child. In 1959 in England there was a government report prepared on the education system and the report famously known by the name of its chairman Sir Geoffrey Crowther The Crowther Report for Education declared that the arts are not the flowers but the roots of education. The arts provide children with a unique desire to learn. Since birth children are naturally inclined towards arts, especially music and dance. In today's episode, we are going to discuss how these two disciplines of performing arts are crucial for the development of your child. And to share her expert knowledge in this field, I'd like to welcome Dr. Makhaila Kaligar who is a professional dancer and a performing arts educator in a Catholic primary school in Melbourne's West. Welcome to the show Makhaila. I'd like you to tell our listeners something about yourself and your experience with the arts. Hello, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Um I've been dancing since I was 5 years old and I've been working as a dancer, choreographer and performer for many years. I've been working in schools for the last 25 years in theater and education, teaching dance and music and also performing in schools. Um and I've also done a great deal of research which examines how dance and music help human beings to overcome traumatic experiences in their life, particularly violent trauma. Wow, that's a wide range of experience. Can we start with arts in general? Tell us how important is it for a child to be involved in arts, be it visual, dance, drama, music or media? That's a very important question. I think the arts are the basis of all human behavior and all human learning. Um and it's great to know that now that the Australian government has incorporated the arts in the curriculum. However, it's not always included in a really broad manner. Um I think it's been proven in much of the research that dance, music, art, drama, they're all as important as a child's development in numeracy or literacy. In fact, they work together. So if a child is exposed to the arts, particularly dance and music, which is my focus today, it helps them with to develop memorization and helps them in all aspects of the curriculum in being able to memorize, being able to learn. It helps them to learn how to persevere and improve skills helps them to develop maths through the pattern recognition that's involved in both dance and also in music um it helps to develop creative thinking and problem solving um and it's also develops spatial awareness oh yes the curriculum supports the learning of arts it is even set up expectations for the achievement of generic standards for different ages But as Sir Kendron Pinson put forward a very uh, let's not say controversial but a thought provoking question do schools skill creativity so let's do a reality check here since you are in the system can you say that the situation might seem improving but arts are more in the curriculum than in the real classrooms and is there a push towards teaching literacy and numeracy skills more in the schools i'd have to say that generally and across many years that literacy and numeracy 
are absolutely the push and they continue to be and certainly NAPLAN and the need for high NAPLAN results make that important for both schools and parents and therefore for teachers. So there's a lot of pressure on teachers um, and on schools to make sure their results are high. This means that often there aren't enough hours in a day to be able to give as many arts programs as the school may want to or as the teachers may want to. However, I'd have to say it's definitely improving. And the school that I, because there's a growing appreciation in education in general, and teachers understand the importance of the arts, I think, um, and they're being taught to understand it through their training. So in the school I work in, the children have dance, they have music, specialised music, they are all exposed to some form of acting, some form of presentation um, every week and often they'll do a whole term dedicated to dance or a whole term dedicated to African drumming. So the school that I work in offers a, a very extended and extensive um, arts program. However, it's, it's a, the most difficult part is convincing parents that these skills are as important as maths and literacy. So that's the push I think that needs to be um, undertaken by both teachers and educators now. Yeah, and as uh, as educators, we need to do our part to educate people about the importance of arts. Okay, so let's get practical. Can you please share some tips on how music helps to communicate or balance feelings for children, especially when they come from different cultural backgrounds? Okay, so I, I think dance and music definitely help um, all people to communicate and to balance their feelings, certainly music can be used to help um, change brain frequencies and to help children and adults to actually calm and relax when they're very upset or frustrated. But also the kind of communication and balancing of feelings that happens during a music class isn't always um, so overt and that's perhaps why people don't recognise the importance of it in a curriculum because it's happening in a very um, incidental way, if you like, incidental learning whilst other learning is also taking place. So some of the examples I can give you is when I've had children come in, particularly um, thinking of one little group of little boys that I had in from grade two, um, who were finding the challenges of the COVID time in the first lockdown quite difficult. So they came to me for about half an hour every day to be able to do some music. It also gave, made them feel special. They were able to play the instruments we worked on using different instruments, all percussion instruments. It gave them a chance to express, how do you feel today? So some would play something very hard. Often they would bang the African drums and then someone else might play something more lightly. And then it gave them a chance to laugh or sometimes get very angry, but also just to release what was going on. And in that I always include movement because they go together. So I let them run, I let them jump but in relation to the music so it's not just a, a total free-for-all yeah that's a beautiful experience it must be very fulfilling can you please share some more experience about differentiated teaching practices in music that can help children with disabilities yes the school i work in um, is very focused on individual learning pathways so we have a, a lot a large number of children with asd and adhd and we've found that they often respond incredibly well to drumming, African drumming, and music particularly. So with those children, I sometimes take a group of them together and work on helping them with their focus because with African drumming, it's a call cool response um, 
type of teaching. So that helps them to focus, it helps them to pull in. It also involves a great deal of body work, crossing the body, which also helps to integrate the different hemisphere, the two different hemispheres of the brain, which helps to expand the corpus callosum. It also helps to calm them. So um, as you hold a drum beat for a long time, it helps to keep focus, but in a way that isn't, you have to sit still. So it's something that many of these children really excel at. It's also important when we do the drum circle that these children get the chance to integrate and work with other children and listen to the ideas of other children, follow the drumming rhythms that someone else suggests, and then also then offers their own drumming um, rhythms. So we work um, with the children listening to me first, but then also working together so that they are able to be leaders and also become teaching models for their own classmates. Wow, and, uh, and how does this all happen? I mean, you just mentioned some special drums that you use uh, with the kids with autism or in general, probably in the classroom. So uh, how does a teacher uh, get an access to all these materials? Does the government help with some sort of funding to schools? Um, I know that the government does have funding for uh, music. The school I work in is a Catholic primary school, so it works slightly differently, but also receives some government funds. Uh, again, the school I work in really does value the arts and so has invested a great deal of money in beautiful African drums that are actually made with skins and made from wood. Um, also beautiful wooden marimbas, xylophones, the sort of instruments that are really useful for teaching children music in a way that is um, very inclusive. You don't have to be a brilliant musician or be able to read music to be able to use these instruments. You can just listen and feel. So what we also do is I am, uh, I help the teachers access um, different online materials or I can give them class uh, lessons for in the class when they're not coming to a specific class at the music room with the music teachers. Um, so the school has also invested in classroom uh, musical instruments um, across for each class area. So each uh, group, so whether it be prep one, two, three, four or five, six, they all have their own set of instruments that are appropriate to that age group and that those teachers can use or they can ask someone who's a specialist in the school to use for them. So as a pre-service teacher, I come across various readings where I learn about new ways of teaching, which my, I might not even know as a parent, you know. And in one such article I read about in, in my course material, I, I read about something like learning arts, learning through arts and aesthetic learning, where a teacher is integrating music and dance with learning about verbs and literacy skills. So it goes like the teacher plays the music in the background and randomly speaks verbs. And if she says a singular verb, students move along. If she says plural, the students would move in pairs. And um, when she changes the tense, like past tense or future tense, the children move ahead, backwards or sideways and so on. So, so as a teacher, uh, how important is it to build upon these different skills and integrate uh, them together? As uh, Howard Garner, in his theory of multiple intelligence, explained that children learn in more than one way. So how do you think teachers can achieve the learning goals of children through integrated learning in uh, practically in the classrooms? I think it's one of the best ways for children to learn. Um, in fact, so um, 
uh, and that's one way that was a great example of how you can integrate the, t the two different types of learning um, in the classroom. It's brilliant. I use uh, dance and music because I think they always work together to teach uh, about different cultures and to help the students in my school that are from many different backgrounds to understand each other and to understand where other children come from and other families come from and how different places are different and also different histories. So for instance, when I'm teaching drumming, African drumming, I will talk about how the drums were used to, and still can be, to tell stories and we'll make up a story and we'll tell that story. I talk about how they were used to send messages from one town to another. I show them a map of Africa and talk about where the, each specific drum came from. I engage the children in the classroom who are from different countries in Africa and we talk about what those countries are like and what they do there, how many languages they speak and what different cultures they have. We look at the different rhythms that different um, countries might have, the beats that they use and the different dynamics that are involved in different uh, music or different dances. So I've also um, engaged with parents from the school to be able to teach songs from Nigeria, for example or I've engaged with some of the parents who are from Ethiopia and worked on different moves and different understandings that come through Ethiopian culture. Another thing that the school has done is created um, a multicultural festival that we do once a year and in that we bring everyone together. We use different foods and different uh, music obviously and my focus is to teach about the history of a country and the culture. So one time we did a Bollywood dance so focused on India and all the different um, cultures that are also a part of the very expansive country that is India. Um, we've also done um, Polynesian dances and spoken about the different countries and engaged the children that are actually from those countries to teach us and their families to teach us, which oh. I think is very important. Yeah, wonderful. So, uh, so we can say that uh, the experimenting with music uh, help us bring the cultures together. Absolutely, and it adds to cultural understanding, especially for children who might have grown up in Australia only and have only ever experienced maybe a very small part of Melbourne. It helps them to expand their understanding of their friends and of, of society as a whole. What are the range of strategies and environments teachers can use to teach dance? Uh, so does it always have to be in the dance studio where children learn to perform on stage as a group or solo, or teachers can you know, move beyond that. Absolutely. If teachers can understand that dance is integral to life, then it's easy to teach it anywhere and strategies just evolve because if you're in a body, you can dance wherever you are. So if you're sitting in a seat, you could be tapping out the music with your feet and moving with your upper body. You could be on the stairs, going up and down, down two, up one, down three, up one, depending on how much space you have. If it's a beautiful day, you could take the children outside twirl on the oval and that's also a type of dancing. So dance can be done anywhere and the strategies are such that if the children, for example, if during a maths class they're starting to lose focus and they're struggling with attention, one of the best things that I think you can do is to get the children up and moving, preferably with a bit of music because then they're inspired to move their bodies to the music. But even without music, there are ways of doing that. If you talk through it with the child and talk a story that they're moving with their fingers, they're moving with their shoulders, they're moving with their knees, just their toes. There are many ways of integrating the dance into the classroom. 
Yeah, and uh, how does responding uh, help in this uh, medium of dance? Like, uh, can you take uh, can you take children along to some uh, excursions to just to uh, experience? I think that's very important. I think it's important. There are two different aspects. One is dance that is movement for the individual. The other is dance that is about performance. Um, and I think it's important for children to experience performing themselves and what it's like to be in front of an audience and what it's like to feel successful in that sphere. But I also think it's wonderful for them to see the arts, to be taken to a piece of theatre or musical theatre or dance and to sit in the audience and experience the magic of of a performance and of the theatre. And I think certainly the school that I work at has now started to include that in the last three years to take children in five and six, grade five and six, to the theatre so that they can experience the magic of the theatre. The design of Australian curriculum portrays dance as a compulsory teaching unit in primary classroom. So it means it needs to be assessed. How are the sum of ways to assess the learning of dance in upper primary? Uh, what we tend to do in grade five and six is we ask, or I ask the children, to separate into small groups and to choreograph a piece um, together. So those groups are sometimes in twos, sometimes up to four, usually not much more than four because that becomes quite complicated. And then those children need to work together to decide what, I give them one piece of music that they all use, and then they need to work together incorporating all the skills that they've learnt with me throughout the term in relation to rhythmicity, dynamics, um, creating shapes on stage using different um, forward and back, so different shapes, it's hard to explain, <laughs> two people forward, two people back, one forward, three back, someone leading, others following. Um, but also what's very important and part of what matters in our curriculum is that the children all take a leading role and work together so for instance not all children feel as obliged to dance as others others by by grade and five and six some people don't really want to be on camera so what those children can do is participate by speaking about their ideas um, talking about the storyline of the of the choreography and then also filming it for the other children and working on the best spatial awareness of that. So that's one way to assess dance. And the other children then work as an audience and that's also very important. We teach the children how important an audience is. There's no point being a performer if you don't have an audience. So a polite and respectful audience is important and this goes on to teach those children um, social skills of basic respect for others and for being able to share the focus with other people. Uh, wonderful. And uh, how do you involve parents in this process? We have two ways of doing that. Um, one is obviously through um, performances that we have that the parents come to and they see what their children can do. But probably the one that is the most important to the parents and perhaps to the children is that we run open classes. So I run a class with those children, five sixes, and the parents are invited to come to the class and they make a time so that they can come and see their own child in a dance class, which my dance classes involve being able to have free dance first so that they can explore their bodies, working with different rhythms from different um, cultures, then a much more structured dance class, um, which involves understanding one's own body, working through all the different dance um, 
uh, movement. So using chassés, um, pas de bourrées, turns, um, grand jetés. I won't always call those as such to the children, depending on their age, depending on where we're at. But usually by five, six, I'm using the technical terms of the vocabulary of dance. And the parents get to see that. And then I finish with a type of relaxation after a little performance. As I do all of this, I talk through what I'm doing and why I'm doing it with, with their parents. I talk about the importance of movements that cross across the body for the integration of the, of the right and left hemispheres of the brain. I talk about the importance of alpha rhythms in the music for relaxation so that the child can let the body relax after having been so dynamic and moving through space. Um, and being able to then go back to the classroom in such a way that they're able to focus and learn other skills. Right. And now comes a very, very classic question. Um, what is the best age to start learning to dance? You know, like in recent years, the Finnish education model has been praised by many countries, including Australia, as they engage children at a very young age through play pedagogy to teach everything, you know. So can children really find their true passion at that young age? And also, is it possible to start late, like in grade five and six, and still learn the skills? That's an interesting question. Well, a range of questions. Um, as far as I'm concerned, we all come out dancing. So I think that, of course, having a child um, dancing young is, is natural. It's not. It doesn't need to be taught. Um, I think that it's important that if children of a very young age are being taught dance, that it shouldn't be structured dance, it should be play, as in the play pedagogy that you're speaking about um, in the Finnish education system. I think that's crucial because it's the structured learning that comes into play that I believe can do what you know, Sir Ken Robinson was asking earlier, does do skill, sorry, do schools kill creativity? I think the need to get things right can be what kills creativity. So it's important that if a child is encouraged to dance at a young age, that they be free and that they not be told it's right or it's wrong, just that they could be free to move to the music because that comes naturally to all human beings, I believe. And from many years of experience, I found it to be so. Um, can children find their passion? I think so, absolutely. I certainly did. I was only five or maybe younger, actually, when I knew that dancing was for me. Um, so some children will and some will just enjoy it and then move on to something else that they enjoy. And certainly you can learn to dance much later and you can become an expert dancer much later if that is your passion. Um, certainly if you want to be a, a professional dancer, it's a little bit harder. Um, but I do know of people who have started at 13 and 14 and have gone on to be professional dancers. So, yes, all of the answers to those would be yes, all of that is possible. Oh, thank God. I was studying about teaching dance in my future classroom as I have absolutely no skills. It's good to know that you can learn anytime. I can start now. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Makala, for taking time out of your busy schedule and sharing your knowledge with our listeners. It's been a great pleasure and I'm so pleased to have been here. I do not have any experience of teaching in a classroom yet, but I certainly have experience of teaching my two children who love to dance and think creatively when engaged in arts. I'm an artist myself and I can completely relate to this talk today. I believe arts are the base of everything we do. Hence, we should support our children when they show inclination towards arts for learning or taking arts forward as a career for that matter. See you next week when I bring you a classroom teacher from a prestigious primary school in Sydney who says, I cannot imagine teaching my class without visuals. Till then, keep exploring art behind learning.
good day